You are listening to The Happy Gynecologist with your host, Amanda Miles, MD. Hey y'all, welcome back to The Happy Gynecologist, episode number 163, Three Ways to Stop the Year-End Hustle. All right, y'all, welcome back. So glad to have you. <laughs> um, I know that this can be a hard time of year for many, many reasons. And I want you to know that I'm very thankful for you. Um, And I know that there are so, so many people out there that are thankful for you as well, even if they don't uh, explicitly state that. So I will say it for them that we are very thankful for you. (laughs) And um, I don't say that in a cheesy way. I really do mean that. Um, I think that we often don't pause to realize how um, grateful other people are for us. And allow that. We don't often accept that. And so I think uh, we we often are kind of brushing that aside and carrying on. But I, I want you to realize like how important what you're doing is, um, how important you are, how amazing you are, and that, that there are so many people out there that are just truly grateful for you. And I am one of them. So I want you to know that, friend. All right. So today we are going to just dive right in. We are going to talk about the three ways to stop the year-end hustle. And you know what I'm talking about. You're you're no stranger to this, I am sure of it. No matter what type of OBGYN you are or what type of physician you are, patients come in at the end of the year and they, you know, have met their deductible and so they want to get X, Y, and Z done, right? Whether that's, you know, something in the office, something in the OR, um, that kind of thing, right? And so I think that, you know, this is, you know, very common for all specialties. Um, And so I think that this is something that we need to really have a good way to um, deal with because it happens every year. (laughs) And I hear every year, like how frustrated some docs are. um, And, you know, just about the patients that are coming and asking for these things. And it's like, well, yeah, again, another year uh, goes by and another year the patients are acting like humans, right? And so I think that it's, you know, something that we need to have some like actual like steps to um, be able to employ to, to deal with this. So let's talk about the three ways that we can stop this. Okay. So, uh, you know, the first way, number one, make a plan. You know how much I love plans. <laughs> make a plan and set your limits. Okay. Um, and whenever I mean limits, like what I mean by that is what you will do, what you won't do, um, just kind of like a clear guideline of what you kind of expect when when things are scheduled. Um, and, and what I mean kind of by making a plan, I want you to decide ahead of time what you will and won't do, um, especially at the end of the year. We have to set clear guidelines for ourselves, <laughs> also for others, but for ourselves as well, because when we say yes to to too many things, we can begin to feel overwhelmed and resentful kind of on the backside of that. We don't feel it immediately, but whenever we say yes to something like, you know, when that nurse at the hospital that you really like, she approaches you and she asks if you'll add her on before the end of the year because she met her deductible and you're like, yeah, of course, of course. And because you really like her and you want to help her and you know, you, you tell your scheduler, put her on, you know, um, and you were already really full. Um, you haven't created this situation intentionally. It came from a good place, right? It came from wanting to help her and liking her and wanting to do her a favor, maybe even. But whenever you get to the day of or the week of, and you realize you are way overbooked in the OR, 
you may start to feel overwhelmed and you may start to feel resentment, not necessarily towards her, um, but towards just your job in general, right? Because you've essentially sacrificed your well-being or yourself for the sake of others yet again, right? And you know that you'll be exhausted and hungry and run down afterwards, right? If you really overextend yourself. And whenever you are in that place, it's not easy to like your job. (laughs) And so this is something that we have to set these clear guidelines or set these clear limits ahead of time for others, but also for ourselves. And if we can do that, if we can set a hard limit instead and follow that at the end of the year or even all year round, which is what I like to do, um, you don't you don't have that sense of like, oh, I need I need to add her on, you know. I don't you don't have that. That's not like a thing. And so, uh, you know, it, it's it's you know easy to waver whenever you don't have clear limits or clear guidelines for how you schedule things or how you do things. And so if you have like a hard limit that you follow year round or like a set of like limitations or guidelines that you follow all year, then whenever someone asks you, you're like, oh, well, let me check and see. Um, But I think they were already booked because I, you know, I, uh, you know, have X, Y, and Z um, is how I schedule, you know, however you want to do it. But it becomes easier just to fall back on your rules whenever you have a set of rules, right? It's just, it's just what you do. It's just how things are done. It's just a clear expectation. Um, And of course, you always can, you know, change that. You can always change your mind, um, even if you have those limitations, but you do it more mindfully whenever you have a set of like, this is what I do. So for me, I, I give my people like clear guidelines of how many, how many majors I want in a day, how many minors or the equivalent, you know, I count, uh, you know, certain minors, I'll say, okay, well, two minors equals um, a major or three minors, three of those equals a major. Um, And so I, I know like how many like units essentially in my brain that I want to do in a day. And so that's different for everybody, how many cases you want to do. Um, And I also know about myself that I don't want to do my hardest case last. Um, I am very much a morning person. My brain works best first thing in the morning. And so I know I want to do my tough cases or my most complex cases or the cases that are going to require a lot of patience. I'm going to want to do those first. And so I have these like clear set of like how I schedule or how I expect to schedule um, guidelines. And I communicate those with my staff too. But it's, you know, whenever someone asks me to go outside those guidelines, they can be like, oh, no, actually, um, I already have, you know, uh, three major that day. So um, it's not, you know, it's not within my, you know, uh, best guidelines or within my best skills to add anybody on that day. And that's for me and for them, right? Like that's just what is safest. That's how my brain works best. And so if I know that about myself, or I, I can examine that and reflect on it and set a set of like, guidelines that I can give my staff and have kind of a hard limit, um, then it becomes easier. It's just like, oh, no, actually, I already have uh, three majors that day. I can't add anybody on. Um, But I can look forward uh, to other days on the schedule. Um, I can see what we have, and I'll have the office get back to you. It's just like a a clear-cut, like, nope, I can't do it because this is how I function best, and this is what's best for me. This is what's best for my patients, right? Um, And so... 
I will often also really plan things out. Um, whenever I am talking about making a plan and setting my limits, you know, I will plan things out um, starting in August or September through the end of the year. My brain kind of still works in semesters. <laughs> I don't know about y'all's, but that's how my brain works still. It's like school semesters. Um, and so I will look ahead with my staff at the beginning of the semester um, and I'll say, okay, these are the days that we probably won't operate. These are the days that we'll do minors only so I don't have to round the next day, which is a holiday. You know, like we, we look ahead at that and kind of set some, some limits and some guidelines from you know, the beginning of the semester. And um, we take the time to do that. So if you aren't regularly like setting aside a small amount of time to kind of plan out, like plan out your quarter or plan out, you know, the year or whatever, that time can be worth its weight in gold. So I really encourage you to block out some time in your schedule, in your clinic schedule. Don't take time that's like your day off to do that. This is time that is, you will get a return on your investment. So if you're in private practice, you'll still get, you know, good return on taking a few hours to like really plan out your year, your time, um, and, and have like a strategic planning session with your staff. Okay. Um, and so, so, you know, have a, have thoughts ahead of time so that you're not like at the end of the year, like, oh, well, um, I mean, I guess I could operate that day. Like, don't be deciding that you're going to operate, you know, the day after Christmas during the year end rush. Okay. <laughs> Decide that ahead of time. So you don't feel the pressure to do that. Decide it from your kind of your best self, right? Um, whenever you're not feeling pressured by a million people, um, when and when you won't be operating, what you will do, what you won't do, um, and that kind of thing. And so I think that just having that, having a clear cut set of guidelines, whether you do that all year round or just in the fall, um, can be super helpful. Um, and it takes away that drama of feeling like super pressured in the moment. Okay. And so the, that's, that's kind of the, the first way to, to stop the year end hustle. Okay. Is make a plan, set your limits. Okay. And make that plan with the people that are actively going to be helping you set your limits or keep your boundaries. Okay. Um, the second way is to empower your staff and yourself to say no, to keep your limits set and keep your boundaries in a way that is not only kind to your patients, but kind for yourself. Okay. And what I mean is, is like, we're usually focused on trying to say no kindly to our patients, right? We want to try and keep everybody happy. Um, sometimes it's hard saying no. Um, and if you have a hard time saying no, I want you to go back and listen to episode number 14, people pleasing, and maybe episode number 130, fawn mode. Okay, I'll put the links to those in the show notes. Um, because it is, it is really hard to to say no sometimes for us. We fear that we will be seen as the bad guy or they will be mad at us or they won't like us or that we'll lose patience, we'll lose business. Um, we won't have enough money because of that. Um, and so so I, I want you to, to know that like, if you say no, sometimes that does happen. Okay, yeah, sometimes patients go elsewhere. But guess what? That will also happen if you say yes. <laughs> and I don't know how many times I've, I've said to my nurse, like, no good deed goes unpunished, right? Which is kind of a terrible mindset. I don't necessarily recommend that. But how many times have you taken extra time or gone the extra mile, put in extra effort 
only to find that the patient cancels at the last minute to go see someone else or, you know, whatever that may be. Like, it feels like, oh, well, I, I put in a lot of extra work and then they, they went somewhere else, right? And so they're, they're still going to do that, okay? Patients are, are humans. They're going to act silly sometimes, and that's okay. Um, we're all humans. We're all allowed to act silly sometimes. So whenever we are talking about setting our limits and setting our boundaries, I want you to think about empowering yourself whenever you set your limits or have boundaries in a way that's kind for you. Because if we're thinking about how we can protect us during the year end hustle, um, then that kind of changes everything really. And if we're setting these limits from a place of loving ourselves, we will feel less resentful when a patient acts like a human and they go and do silly things that humans do. Right. Um, and so what, what I like to do is have like a, a little script of one to two sentences that, I empower myself with, or that, you know, I empower my staff with, you have one to two sentences that everyone says, because the gal at the front desk, she wants to do, to do a good job too. She wants to take good care of people. Um, and she may think that she's doing a really good thing for a patient by putting in a surgery consult, um, on December 1st, because, Oh, look, we had a cancellation. Yes. I can put you on December 1st to come talk to Dr. Miles about a hysterectomy. Right. And she's doing a good job for what her job is, right? And that's, she's trying to do the right thing. But then that patient comes in expecting surgery at the end of the year, right? Because the limits and boundaries haven't been communicated from the start. She wants to come in and talk about surgery here at the end of the year. And she hasn't been told up front that, oh, well, um, yes, of course I can put you on December 1st uh, to talk about uh, about having a hysterectomy. Um, we also want you to know that we are booking our surgeries into February. Um, so um, we will get you in that spot. Um, and, you know, we, we want you to come in and fill out your paperwork 15 minutes ahead of time. You know, that whole spiel, it can be part of you know, a script for everybody that interacts with patients. So um, one to two sentences, it doesn't have to be anything that's big, but we want everybody to be in agreement with how we're communicating. We want everybody to be on the same page because that protects us um, as physicians. It protects us once we get back in the room with the patient and she's like, oh, well, why did they add me on then if you can't even have you know, I can't even have surgery before the end of the year. You know, they get, they're confused and they can get frustrated from that. Patients, of course, like they want to follow the rules. And if they're told up front, then it's not as big of a deal. They're like, oh, okay. Okay. I get it. Oh, um, yeah, I'll still take that appointment. Um, and that's disappointing, but yeah, I'll still take the appointment. Um, you know, so they may have feelings, but you know, you don't, you don't want to like create a lot of confusion with mixed messaging, right? Um, you know, if the patient's getting roomed and um, they still think that they're, you know, could have surgery by the end of the year because no one's told them otherwise. And your nurse is like, you know, okay, what are we here for today? Okay, we're going to talk about surgery. Okay, okay, well, let me get you, you know, let me get things going here and the doc will be in. Let me get your vitals. Like if nothing is said, you know, there's no communication there is still open, right? But if if every point along the way of taking care of that patient, the expectations are communicated just very briefly, it's a lot easier. Like, oh yeah, well, so you know, Dr. Miles is booking into February, um, but we are going to get this figured out. We're going to take good care of you. Let's get your vitals done and doc will be in. You know, it doesn't have to be 
this big thing, this big apologetic thing. But what this does is this gets rid of a lot uh, of a lot of the mental drama that surrounds conflict or other people having negative feelings. Um, because whenever patients get mixed messaging, they do get frustrated or um, they do have a lot of negative feelings in the moment, just like I would. Like if I'm getting mixed messages from, you know, someone that I'm dealing with, you know, I don't know if I'm dealing with like a home insurance guy and I'm getting mixed messages from him and his front desk and, you know, the other person I talk to, I'm going to get extremely frustrated, of course. Um, and, and that's just, you know, it doesn't have to do with those people. It's just like, I don't know what's happening here. Do they not have their shit together? I was under the impression that it was this certain way and apparently it's not, right? That creates a lot of frustration for people. So I'm not saying we need to change that because we can't get rid of their frustration, but can we set everybody up for success here and get rid of the mental drama um, that surrounds like oh shit, like this patient doesn't know because she hasn't been told that we're scheduling into February and having to go through that in the room with her um, and go through all the frustration multiple times a day, you know, at the end of the year, right? And so it can be very emotionally exhausting to have to tell five people that you can't accommodate them when they were under the impression that it was a possibility, right? So if you're doing that five times a day at the end of the year, that can be very emotionally exhausting. So just have very clearly communicated boundaries and limits, you know, um, it's just kind of, it's like any type of limit or boundary you can, it's just like a rule or just how things are done. Um, maybe you have a rule in your office that, um, only one visitor is allowed in the exam room with a patient, um, because your exam rooms are tiny. Um, and so you, you, just have that as a, as a rule. And so you know it, um, whenever the patient checks in, she's got five people with her, the front desk is like, oh, and by the way, our exam rooms are small. We can only accommodate one visitor in the exam room, but you're welcome to wait in the, the waiting room, um, the rest of you. Um, and then same thing, the nurse is rooming. Oh, um, by the way, we, are, we can only accommodate one person. So who can come back? Who wants to come back with our patient today? Um, the rest of you are welcome to wait here. Um, you know, having that clearly communicated every step of the way makes people less frustrated. It's just how it is, right? People just accept, oh, that's just how it is here. And so if everybody's on the same page, then it, there's not as much mental drama for you, for staff, for patients, okay? It's just the rules, just the policies, just how things are, right? So ask yourself, like, what can you and your staff say to patients that is kind for yourself, that takes away that mental drama for you, okay? That's what I mean whenever I say we need to set limits and boundaries that are kind for you. The purpose is to help you with these things, okay? Keep it simple so it's not this big dramatic thing with patients. It's just how it is, okay? Um, and so, so it doesn't have to be this big apologetic thing either, okay? You don't have to be trying to keep them happy because remember, we can't actually do that. We can't control how they feel. They're going to have feelings. But if it's, uh, you know, sometimes I'll even say, and then we're, we're booking into February um, with scheduling or scheduling surgeries into February. Um, and if they respond negatively, it's like, I know it's, it's a bummer. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll just like acknowledge that like, yeah, they're going to have feelings about that. And it sucks for them. Maybe just acknowledging that. And usually if I just acknowledge it's just like, yeah, it is. And then we move on. It's not like this big drama thing, right? It's not as emotionally exhausting either. So um, the third way, 
Okay. The third way to stop the urine hustle um, is to not buy in to other people's scarcity mindset. Okay. And so, so remember if you're, if you're new here, if it's been a while, remember scarcity mindset is like worrying that you don't have enough. It's a mindset of not having enough. Okay. It's the opposite of feeling like, um, you are, you have abundance. Okay. It's the opposite of abundance mindset. Abundance mindset is I have plenty. I have enough. Um, scarcity is I don't have enough or I worry I won't have enough. And so an example of this, that's not related to what we're talking about is like, if you're hiking with a friend, um, and you're four hours in and you realize you guys are lost and you only have a little bit of water left, right? You may start to feel scarcity around the amount of water that you have. Like if you, let's say that there's like between you, there's like a quarter of a water bottle left, right? You may feel scarcity around that water. You may worry that there won't be enough, okay? Because there's a limited supply. Um, you don't see any sources of clean, fresh water anywhere that isn't dangerous without boiling, right? You, you, you have scarcity around what uh, is lacking almost. You know, you see that as not enough. And so... You may worry there's not enough. You may take actions from that worry or that fear. And um, and so that's a very you know different place than an abundance mindset, which an abundance mindset is I have plenty. Um, and so in the same setting, you are not feeling scarcity around how much oxygen there is. You're out in the great outdoors. There's plenty of air to breathe. You know, you're not competing with this friend that you're hiking with for air, <laughs> You're not sharing there. You are sharing the air, but there's plenty, right? Just like if you are sharing the water and there's not enough, right? And so if there's plenty of air to go around, you feel abundance when it comes to air. You're not worried about it. You're not fearing that you might run out, okay? But scarcity is fearing the lack, fearing that you won't have enough, fearing that you will run out. Um, and so scarcity can really come up at the end of the year for a lot of us, Um scarcity of money, scarcity of time, um, you know, all these things, you know, because there's a lot of hustle. And I think that, you know, it's a time when a lot of money is spent as well. So money scarcity is a big one for a lot of people. They want to use their insurance benefits, um, or they, they've met their deductible. They uh, kind of view it as if I don't, if I don't do this now, um, then I won't have enough next year to do it, right? Or I won't get it done, okay? I won't have this opportunity. Um, time is running out. And so that can really put some people into a mode of fear, almost fear or anxiety, or, you know, it's like a self-preservation type thing, almost a survival mode thing. And so it can really affect how you, how people act, um, us included, right? It can make people almost feel really desperate, right? They have to get this on the schedule. It has to be done this year, right? Because this is my one chance to get this done. Otherwise, I won't have time or I won't have the money, right? Because they have scarcity in their mindset. They're functioning from that scarce place of uh, of lack or, or not having enough, right? And so what the problem with that is, is that often as humans, we um, we'll get, I don't know, like there, we have, you know, mirror neurons and we are herd animals and we will often kind of take on what other people are doing. Right. So if someone approaches us from a place of scarcity, 
a lot of times we will respond with our own scarcity. So we'll add people on because if we don't, you know, then they'll be unhappy and they may leave our practice and they may find a different doctor to do it. Right. And so that's a scarcity mindset that we often face. Like my patients might leave and I, you know, may not have enough, or I may tell her no, and then she'll get mad and write a Facebook review. And then everybody else in town will know, and they'll all leave my practice. And then I won't have any patients and then I won't have any money and I won't have a job. Right. And so I I want you to just like be mindful that when people approach you from a place of scarcity, it does not mean that you have to go to that place of scarcity. There are plenty of patients and that is why the year of you know the year end hustle exists, right? There's a lot of patients, and they come out of the woodwork at the end. There's plenty of patients to go around, and then some. And so we don't have to jump in and be in that scarcity mindset um, with someone else, right? We have plenty of air to go around. Um, just because someone you're hiking with doesn't have enough water. It doesn't mean you don't have enough. Maybe you've been, you know, hiding your other water bottle and you got plenty of water. Okay. You don't have to get into a place of fear and acting from that fear of not having enough just because that's how you're being approached multiple times a day. (laughs) Okay. Um, and then the other thing is, is that there is an OBGYN shortage y'all. So, there will always be enough patients out there for your friend. They are out there. There's always more than enough patients to go around. And that's something that we all need to remember sometimes, okay? Um, and so so if if patient decides to, you know, you can't accommodate them for the end of the year and so they leave and find someone else that will, um, okay, cool. I'm glad that you found someone to... Um, take care of you here at the end of the year. Um, I I wish you the best, right? You know, um, that's okay. That doesn't mean that you, you don't have plenty of patients still that are going to keep asking to be added on for the end of the year, right? So there will always be more than enough patients for you. Um, And so I I think the end of year hustle is a great way to remind ourselves of that. Okay. All right, friends. Those are the three ways to stop the year in hustle. Okay. So make a plan ahead of time to set your limits, make them clear, decide what you will and won't do, right? Have a clear set of guidelines for how you schedule your surgeries and stick to it. Okay. Um, you may even have a, have a little meeting to, to do that regularly with your staff. Empower yourself and your staff with just a sentence or two to clearly communicate what your limits are, okay? That is a kind thing to do for yourself, okay? Um, Because it decreases that mental drama. And then don't buy into other people's scarcity, (laughs) okay? Those are the three ways. And I hope that this helps. And I will talk to you guys next week. All right, bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can always get more free help from me by going to my website, www.coach-miles.com and clicking on free resources. If this work has helped you and you're interested in learning more about getting out of burnout and up-leveling your life as an OBGYN, definitely check out my six-month coaching program, The Happy Gynecologist Group. You can always get more information on my website, coach-miles.com.